Well, God's got something for you today. Do you believe it? He has something for you, and I'm excited to bring it. I spoke last week, and I'm going to continue this week on this line that the Lord gave my heart, and it's right from the Word. It says, give me your little. The Lord's saying to you today, give me your little, and He's saying to you, I'll give you much. You give me your little, and I'll give you much. He said, give me your little, I'll turn it into much. See, we say, I don't have. We look at self. We look at our our lack. We look at what we don't have. We look at what we think we can't do, and we focus on those things, and we say things like, what do I have to offer God? And then the Lord, as I was meditating on that line, I wrote that line into my notes. What do I have to offer God? whether that's in resources or abilities or time. But that same exact line can actually be turned with a different tone, can be completely turned around, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just pricked me. Says, instead of saying, what do I have to offer God? I can search within and say, what do I have to offer God? What is it? What is it in me? Who am I? What has God put me on this earth for him? What is his purpose in me? What has he put in me? Instead of looking at what we don't have, the only reason you don't think you have is because you're comparing it to each other or comparing it to the world or even comparing it in your mind to what you think you should be and should have. But God knows exactly who you are. God knows exactly where you would be today. He knew you, right? The Bible says when he formed you in your mother's womb. And he knew what family you were going to be born into. If he formed you in that womb, he knew you'd be born into a broken home. He knew you'd be born into a single parent home. He knew you'd be born into this culture or that culture or even as weird as it is, even into generational curses. He knew that you'd be born into all of that when he formed you. And he doesn't leave you there in a brokenness and under the curse. He offers you himself, right? But he was well aware of who you were when he made you, which means that who you are is exactly what he needs. That's it. He only needs exactly who you are and what you have. We're, we're constantly saying, well, Lord, let me go find, let me go make, let me go do, let me go be so that then I can prove and then I can be something, I can bring something to you. And the Lord just wants you to know today, this is a very simple sermon. This is part two. You can listen to last week as well, but it's very simple. Just bring him what you do have. Jesus said, and I, and I preached this last week in, uh, when he was feeding the 5,000 They said to him, Jesus, where would we get enough to feed all these people? And I love the line. I said it last week. It's just the Lord pricked my heart with it. And he said to them, what do you have? What do you have? Instead of saying to the the Lord, I don't have, the Lord just says, what do you have? And we need to stop looking at what we do or don't have. We need to stop looking at even what we, what, we, what we do have as far as our strengths go. 
where we could be looking at lack or we could be looking at our strengths and thinking we don't need God. Both of those are error. Both of those are not God. Sometimes we don't think we have anything and sometimes we, we think we have so much that we don't need God. And both places in our hearts need to be surrendered. The places where we lack, the places where we don't think we can or do or be for the Lord, we need to ask for his strength. And then the things that we think we have, the, the abilities, the resources that he has put in us and we're aware of, we need to bring those equally to the Lord and say, Lord, how can you use these? And then God wants to do something through your life with those gifts and abilities. It says in the book of Matthew 15, 33, where would we get enough? And Jesus says, how much bread do you have? Verse 34, Jesus can multiply your lack. And I said last week, it's still little. It was still little. It was little in them and it was still little until they gave it to Christ. It never changed being little. In fact, even in God's, even in Jesus's hands, all he held was your little. Did you ever think of this? Jesus didn't just go and feed everybody at once. He took your little, he held your little, and he broke it one piece at a time. It never changed from being little. But if you give your little, if you give who you are and what you have to Christ, we can just close the sermon right here. I mean, that's basically the summation of the sermon. I'm giving it to you right off the bat. So what I said last week, I need to say it again. If you give him your little, it never actually changes. He doesn't need it. He just multiplies it. He just keeps giving and giving and giving and giving and giving and giving and giving of that same little that you thought couldn't feed even one family is now fed many, 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 many more than you could have ever imagined. God can use you just where you're at. He wants to take you right where you're at, and he's doing a constant changing and molding and shaping internally. But immediately when you come to Christ, he starts using you right where you're at. Even the Joseph series, as we started to look at Joseph, we looked at it was an internal thing that God did in Joseph to get him to a bigger place than he could ever got himself. But God started using him. I don't want to re-preach that series, but remember, God started using him right there in slavery and in prison, using the ability that he would later use in a great way. He used it in, a, in what would look like a small way, but it was preparation time. It was a multiplication time. He started using it immediately, didn't he? right there. And God is good, isn't he? Amen. God is so good. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. He's got a plan and a purpose for this church. The enemy cannot steal. He cannot disrupt. There may be a little bit of turbulence. Come on, there's some turbulence, but the plane is still headed where it's going, right? There's some turbulence sometimes, some shaking. Sometimes when the shaking comes, we think, oh my gosh, the world is ending, but it's just a little turbulence. We're still going to get to where we took off to get to, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. And so I want you just to look, I want to look at some more facets of this little. You can go through the whole entire Bible. In fact, I had a tough time choosing which story to go with, because there's so much little that God takes and turns into much. That's the whole story of the Bible. Just humanity itself, we are very little, as I said last week, in comparison to the universe and in comparison to God, we wouldn't even be measured on the most advanced microscope if you were to look from God's point of view, 
If you were to look from where he lives, wherever that is, in another dimension or on another planet, I mean, I don't know, and we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us, just not here on earth, but if you were to look from God's perspective with natural abilities, with a natural microscope, you wouldn't be able to find us. We're that little, and yet God loves us so much that he gave his own son for us. So he's not concerned about how little you are and how little you have. He loves you so much. He gave himself, but he wants us to give it to him. That's what I want you to get today is not just that you are little and that he can use your little, but that we must give it to him. I want you to say that out loud. We must give him our little. We have to give it to him. And if you give him your little... He will use your little. I want to look at two aspects. I want to look at one, how he provides for you, and two, how he wants to use you. Can we look at both of those things today? God wants to do both of those things in your life simultaneously. He'll provide for you with little, and he will use your little. Amen? We got those two points. Let's look at the first point. I love this story. It's the story of Elijah coming to a small town. The Lord sent him to uh, a town where there was a woman. It says in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 10. 1 Kings chapter 17 and starting in verse 10. It says that Elijah went to Zarephath. And as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? God's only asking for a little. Elijah right here, you know what the name Elijah means? I have a son named Elijah. It actually has has great depth. I really can't fully explain it, but it means God is Jehovah. God is Yahweh. God is Lord. It means God, because El means God, a generic God. It's not definitive of our God. El just means God. But Yah is our God. It's the God. It's, that's the Jehovah comes from the Yah. That's how they say it, or the Yahweh. So who is God? Elijah's name is, I'm going to tell you who God is. And that's very significant because Elijah was in a time where everybody was worshiping their own God. Everybody's looking here and looking there, bowing down to any God they pleased. And that was perfectly okay in that society. And Elijah was, well, you want, there is a real God. And so his name implied that here's where God is. You know, this is a man. He was a man. But when, she came, when Elijah came in, it was God showed up into her situation. God showed up into your situation, wherever you're at. God showed up, and God says to you, just give me your little. Come on. Amen. Is this making sense so far? And it says that she, and I could go, I just, I'm moving fast, but I think most of you get it. All of you get it, hopefully. And I can talk to you more further about Elijah later on. But it says in verse 11, as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. Now this is very interesting. That doesn't seem like a a large request. Just give me a little water and a bite of bread. It's all that God is asking of you. God doesn't ask for much of you. He just says, give me your little. Just give me a little water and a bite of bread. Has God ever asked you for a little? Has anybody ever been asked for a little? Now, how easy is it to give God your little when you have much? Who's had much and God has asked you for a little and you said, absolutely, God? Anybody? 
who's had little and God asked you for a little? It's much harder to do, isn't it? Well, that's exactly what happens here. It's a very quiet church today. It says, verse 12, that she said, I swear by the Lord your God. And that's significant too. That's another thing here. But she's, she recognizes that this guy is representing God. All right, so this is a representative of God. That when I give, I'm not just giving to some guy. That the Lord is asking me of something. And the Lord your God that I don't have. Everybody say, I don't have. See, it's a very similar story. You're going to find this type of line. You can find this through the whole Bible, people telling God their lack. Almost every single character, every great, actually the losers in the word, I, don't, I, I really don't mean to, to say it that way, but those that actually just walked away from God, because there's the greats and then there's the not-so-greats. I don't know what else to call them. Not-so-greats is better than losers. But they didn't give God. God asked them and they gave them what they felt like. They gave when it was convenient, etc. right? You know the stories. But those, the greats of the word, the Lord asked of them and they don't think they're anybody. They don't think they have anything to offer and they give it to God and God uses it, doesn't he? So he does the same exact thing here. She says to him, but I don't have, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only, everybody say, I have only, this is the exact same language of the disciples with Jesus. Do you recognize the parallel? It's the difference, totally different story, and yet it's the exact same language. They looked at their lack, and they looked, they said, only. They said, I don't have. Where would we get it? Uh, Lord, I don't know how you could use me. I don't know how you're going to use my life. I don't know how you're going to use my mess. I don't know how you're going to get me out of this situation. I don't know how you're going to take care of me today. And I don't, this time, Lord, you've done it before, but I don't think you can this time. We've all said that to the Lord. I don't know how he's going to do it this time. It's so funny how we doubt God, but we all do it. I am right there with you. We all do it. We all doubt him. When the pressure gets more pressure than it was before, it gets a little bit hotter, gets a little bit harder. All of a sudden we think, man, God did it before, but this time's different. And I said that last week. I need to say that again. That's for somebody here, maybe for everybody. But she says, I don't have... I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. I was just gathering up the little bit left that I have, and then we were going to die. She's in a desperate situation. She had lack. <laughs> she had little. When she said she had little, she meant it. Sometimes we think we have little and we just haven't checked really what God's given us. There's that as well. That's a different, that's a different sermon. Sometimes we've been given all of our much to everything else and all that's left is little for God. In this particular case, she really has nothing left. There's really nothing left. God loves these moments. God loves I would even say that sometimes he allows, many times he allows your situation. He doesn't do it to you, but he allows the pressures. He allows the things around your life to push you to a place where you don't have anything left. Not because he wants to see you suffer, right? That's not our God. But he wants you to see what he can do. He wants to show himself strong to you. And he wants to multiply in your life. Amen. Well, that's exactly what happens here. And it says, 
It says, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what you said. (laughs) But. Everybody say but. So God says to her, go ahead. You can use up right what's left, what's last. That's, That's right. But I'm going to change the end of your story. You're absolutely right. I can see it because I'm God, right? Elijah's fully aware, representing the Lord here, what she has. He believes her. He says, but make me a little bread first. Who's heard this story before? (laughs) This is an incredible story. It's so amazing because this is such a picture of God. It's so easy. We think we're giving to God of our, just, you know, I'm not talking, this is not, you know, I mean, this could be anything. This is just, just your time, right? Your resources, your energy, your life to God. It's easy to give to God when we have plenty of time, then we'll give time. We've got plenty of resources. We give God resources, right? When we've got plenty of energy, we give God. But as soon as our energy level gets low, God, you know, just tired right now. I'm just going to, I'm going to just low for a little while and I'll seek you tomorrow, right? We've all been there, right? Lord, I'm just busy. Lord, you know I have to work. You know I've got things to do. The Lord says, really, you got things to do? <laughs> what are you working for? What are, you, what are you working for, by the way? I'm just curious. The Lord's like, just, I'm just curious. What are you working for? Just curious. What are you doing down there? Like, like a little child, right? Building, um, you know, those mud pies outside in the dirt, right? That's not, they're, not mud, they're not pies, by the way. It's just mud. But as a child, in the simplicity of mine, you know, it's so, I've, when the Lord's like, well, I've got plenty of bread inside, got plenty of bread inside. You're so busy and so determined to get that done, but why don't you come inside? We'll get cleaned up. Leave that there, and I'll feed you. In fact, I won't stop feeding you. Amen. Because Jesus said, I am the bread. Remember, in John chapter 6, they had a big-time problem with Jesus because they said, you know, who are you, Jesus? They said, our father Abraham, right, and then, and then, and Moses in John six, they're talking about their father Abraham, talking about Moses, talking about the pillars, and so who's Jesus? And you're like, well, Moses gave us bread. And he says, Moses didn't give you bread. <laughs> what he's really saying is Moses facilitated the bread. Moses stood in the gap for you when he doesn't say this, but between the lines, we can rewind and look at the story when actually God wanted to kill you because you were so stubborn, didn't want anything to do with him, didn't want to trust him. He actually stood in the gap and fended for you. That's a different story, but it wasn't Moses anyway. It was God's grace and mercy. It was him that gave you bread from heaven. In fact, it wasn't just God gave you bread from heaven. The bread from heaven standing right here, I'm it. Jesus says, I'm the bread of heaven. That was a big time problem for them. We know John chapter six, they get very offended and they walk away because of that. But the Bible says that God will sustain us. God is able to multiply. God is able to feed. In fact, what happened? What happened in the wilderness? If they took more than they needed for the day, God made it rot. He made it rot. And why is that? Why is that? Because he wanted them to depend on him. It was a very simple thing. Didn't matter if you took little or if you took much, 
You're going to be fed for the day. The little would sustain you. And if you took too much, it wasn't going to do, it was just going to be, you're going to eat and then the rest is going to rot anyway. God's, God wants to be your daily sustenance. He wants us to rely upon him. It's the same exact story today. We are here, we're here with all this modern technology. People don't even understand where food comes from anymore. We don't even understand what food is anymore. We take it for, for granted, but there's a lot of work that goes into it to get you your food on the table. But even in all this modernness, in all the ease, God wants to be your sustenance. God wants you to rely upon him. And we're working, 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 striving, going, doing, being, and trying to make something. And remember, that was the curse that God put on Adam for his sin. When Adam left the garden, the curse was that he had to strive that his brow would sweat tilling the dry ground to try to provide for himself. Now, the Bible doesn't say that we won't sweat. Many that are serving God have sweated <laughs> and been tired. And in fact, all of the pillars, New Testament pillars, all the disciples sweated and struggled and were also striving, but there was a different striving. They didn't have to worry about themselves any longer. See, the curse was that you were going to have to fend for yourself. The relief that God gave through Christ is not that you won't sweat or won't work, but you work for someone else. You serve the kingdom and I'll take care of you. You won't need to strive and work for yourself any longer. Who has seen God do that in your life? I've seen it so many times I would be a liar. If I was to tell you that God does not take care of you, you don't have to, you do not have to try, you do not have to strive. It almost, you have to be careful because you could almost get on the edge of laziness and, tr and trusting God. It's that easy. I don't want to say it's easy, but in, in resting in God, he'll just take care of you. It doesn't mean I'm sitting home watching television, but when you set your eyes on the kingdom, when you set your eyes on the call, when you focus on him and you truly believe that he's going to take care of you, he always does. He may not have put a brand new three-car addition on your house, an in-ground pool and a Ferrari out front, but he has taken care of you. Jesus said, seek me, seek me, seek first the kingdom of God and all the things you need, your clothing, your food, your needs will be met. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Just thank you, God, that you are touching our hearts right now, Lord. Touch our hearts. Get into our hearts, Lord. Change us from the inside out. He says, in verse 13, he says, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. God first, me second. That works every time. It will never fail you. God first, me second. That just needs to be our motto. God first, me second. In fact, even amongst the brothers and sisters in the kingdom, what did Jesus, what does the Bible tell us to do? Prefer one another. Well, that's, that makes perfect sense because Jesus said, I can sum up all the commandments into two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, right? And love others as yourself. That's the two commandments that sum up the entire Bible from cover to cover. So the fact that we would, if we seek him first and if we prefer him and prefer one another, 
God will take care of you. That's the relief of the curse. It comes with a promise. God will do it every single time. And those here that have seen God do it can testify over and over and over and over again of God's faithfulness, his sustenance. God gives you exactly what you need, though. Many times we're wondering, where is God sometimes? And he's already given you what you need. But we are a more culture. We are a more, 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 more culture. It's never enough. We just had a conversation yesterday and we're comparing this thing to that thing to this thing. It doesn't matter what the thing is. That's irrelevant. But one thing's bigger than the other thing. This thing's greater than that thing. They're all the same thing, just different in size and capacity. And we can look and say, well, we have, they have, they have. But we all have different sizes and different capacities, so we think one has gotten more than the other. <laughs> Maybe God has given you exactly what you need and for a purpose that you don't even understand. But it's like David said, David said, I was young and now I'm old. I've never seen the Lord forsake those, he, those that love him, those that serve him, those that seek him. I've never seen him fail me. And, and I can attest to that as well. God is so good. And so as she said, I don't have, I have only, God said to her, don't be afraid. And this, when God said this to her, this was an indication that if he says, don't be afraid, that she was making a decision driven by fear. If God tells you, don't be afraid, he's not gonna tell you not to do something that you weren't doing or that you weren't tempted to do. So, Many times we are making decisions based on fear. We're making decisions based on, we look and we say, well, I only have this little bit I lack. And I only have so much time, God. I only have so many resources. And I'm gonna, so what we do is we hide it. But really what we're doing is killing ourselves because you are only gonna last so long. Your resources, your time are only going to last so long. But if we give it to God, God can multiply your time. Uh, He can multiply anything. God started with nothing and made everything that you see. He can multiply anything into many fold beyond what you could imagine. And that's exactly what happens here in the story. It says in verse 14, he says, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. And this is your word too. I want you to hear this for you. The Lord is speaking to you. You give God first. You seek him first. You put him first. This is what he's saying to you today and those listening. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Did you hear me? There will always be enough for you. Always. And verse 15, so she did as Elijah said, and as she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. Verse 16, as an answer to the very thing that God promised her, there was, okay, he said there always will be. Verse 16, there was, past tense, the story's being written past tense, it's already been done. He promised it and he fulfilled it. When God says something, he will always do it. We need to trust him. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you, be added to you. You won't have needs. Why are you worried about things like the world is? So many times we're holding back 
because we think, well, this does, it doesn't make sense. I have to do this. I have to do that. Many things in your life that you think you have to do that are so important are not. They're not. And I get that we all have busy lives, but the devil has a way of making your life busy too. Come on, who has seen it? You got to find a way to pick, to pick your priorities. And beyond that, actually, one time I said to the Lord, I want you to be first on my list. The Lord said, I don't want to be first on your list. I want to be the list. <laughs> he wants to be everything. I don't want to, I don't want, you know, we could, we could be like, well, I'll give you an hour in the day to start with. I'll give you 15 minutes to start with, whatever the time frame is, and then I'll go live the rest of my day. I'll come back to you every day, though, for that hour. Doesn't matter how much time you're spending there, although I believe that's important, extremely, it's then taken with you into every facet, into every aspect of your day. Amen? There was always enough always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised. Anybody believe in God today? God wants to increase your faith. He wants to grow your faith and he wants you to lean upon him. And many of us in this church, we have none of us, I haven't seen anybody in this church without clothing, without food. Many of us though, the Lord is pushing us into a place to lean upon him more, to trust in him more. And he wants to do it. God wants to. God wants to provide for you more than you think you need to be provided for. He really does. It's incredible who he is and how much his love is there for us. It's unbelievable. I just, I can't put it into words and we never will fully understand it but he loves us so much. He gave his own life, and in fact, the scriptures say, what else won't he do for you? What else won't he do for you? There's nothing he will hold back. And so, with that said, I want to transition to the second half. The second half of today's sermon is, God wants to give you enough, and he wants to do through you enough. Both places are, you may be lacking in what you think you have, but the same lack that he'll provide your needs, just put him first. He will provide for you. And I did, I wasn't sure which half to do first. I wasn't sure which part to preach first. I want to preach that first. He's going to take care of you. Now, I want to show you how he wants you to give as he's given you. And let's go to the book of Matthew. Chapter 25, verse 14, and I'm just going to keep moving for your time. Matthew 25, verse 14, the second half shorter, by the way. Don't look at the clock. Stop looking. I need to just get rid of your watches and your cell phones at the door on the way in. He said second half, and everybody got scared. Half? It's 12.05. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money. Whose money? His money. He gave his money. God, this is a symbol. I can tell you the parable, what it means right now. We know. This is a picture of God giving of his resources. It was his resource to begin with, and he gave it to 
his servants, and we are his servants. The Bible is clear. When you come to Christ, you've become a servant of Jesus, just as Jesus was a servant of his Father. And it says, he gave. So he gave freely five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Dividing it, it says, in proportion. Everybody say, in proportion. He divided it in proportion to their abilities, which means that when God gave five to one, one was able to handle five, one was able to handle two, and one was able to handle one. Well, who created the one with five? Who created the one that was going to be able to handle five? God. So God knows what you can handle, and God will only give you exactly what you're capable of carrying. And it is not our job to look around and compare and to look at each other and look at the five, look at the two, look at the one. We have to say, God made me. This is who I am. I wish I had more abilities. I wish I was smarter. wish I could understand things, which I could remember better, et cetera, et cetera. You could do all those things and just say, this is who I am. And, and God now is giving me an opportunity in my life to use me with exactly what I have and exactly who I am to do what he's called me to do. And that's exactly what happened here. And it says, actually, I just want you to look, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. It says, he has given each of us, everybody say each of us, a special gift. And in New King James, it says there's a grace given to us. It says there's a grace, there's a gift given to us through the generosity of Christ. Each of us. And in New King James, it's a grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. All right, so there is a grace, there's a gift that he has given each of you. He's sustaining you. You set your eyes on him. He'll take care of you. Don't worry about what your needs. You just look at him. That's what we're, we're pointing to. We're seeing the two sides. And there's never, ever, it just doesn't run out without any striving, without any working. She never went out and tilled the ground once. She just set her eyes. Okay, Lord, I trust you. Doesn't make sense because if this goes wrong, I'm going to die. But I'm just going to let it all go and I'm going to trust you with my very life, with every, with, literally with my life. Um, that's exactly what she did. And so we look then, so then it says, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are different kinds, verse 4, of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. It says there's different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 5, there are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. This is making sense to anybody today. God works in different ways, verse 6, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to some of us so that we can make the others look bad and make ourselves look great. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Wow, that's God's way, isn't it? God's way is denial, it's just denial of self. I'm never going to get tired of that. I'll preach that till I'm old and gray. I don't care what the rest of the church preaching, and I'm not pointing at them either. I'm just saying that I have to preach what I see that the word says, denial of self, just as Jesus did, denied self. He denied himself right to the cross. That's what we need to do as believers. We're going to give our gifts. It's not for us. Your gift is not for you. Anyway, it says it was so we can help ourselves. So we can help each other. Come on. Verse 11. It is the one and only spirit who... I'm going fast. Is this okay? 
All right, you guys can read along with me. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. So who gave it to you anyway? The Spirit of God, exactly. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So you only have what God's given you anyway. We're all looking around, I wish I had that gift. Wish I was that person. The Lord's like, well, what do you have? Come on, we're going back. Is this sermon making some sense now? Let me start summing some things up. What do you have? Lord, I have so little. I've got nothing. They're super Christian over there. Well, what do you have? They're not really anyway. The Lord, they've just either let the Lord do it or, or that's a different plan and purpose. Who knows what's going on over there? We don't even need to go there. What do you have? That's all you need to worry about. What do I have? Who am I? Who has God made me to be? Who am I? What, who, what can I do for the Lord? And the Lord will do great through you if you let him. It says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that make it any less part of the body? And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. Come on, our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. I could go on. This is amazing. Actually, I encourage you, go read your homework for this week, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It goes on and on and on about the harmony of the body in each part. He's given us what we need, put us where he wanted us, and we just need to be who we are. Many times the church is not functioning in the way that God has called it to function, not because it's lacking, but because those that he's put there aren't doing what he's called them to do. And many times we're looking and saying, well, I don't know how to do that. And God says, you don't need to worry about doing that. And then the church world or the world outside will look at you and say, oh, well, you're just this and you're just that. And Jesus is saying, you're exactly who I want you to be. And you're just as equal as the person that the world says is great because you're who you are and you're you're letting yourself be who I made you to be. Does it make sense to anybody today? Sometimes we don't have the needs. Wow, this this is deep, guys. It's a simple sermon, but this is deep. Sometimes the Lord's not meeting the needs not because he doesn't want to supply, but because we're not giving to him. And you say, but we are giving to him. But he's saying, but you're not giving me what I'm asking of you. You need to give him what he's asking of you, not what's convenient, not what someone else says you need to do or be. You need to give what the Lord has put you on this earth for. Amen. This making any sense. And we could go on, but I won't. Back to the story. So, he gave them each according to their own abilities. Each of them had exactly what they needed. And then it says, verse 16, back in Matthew chapter 25, the servant who received the five bags. If you know the story, you already know the end. I'm going to read it quickly. The servant who received the five bags, he began to invest and he earned five more. And the servant with the two bags, he earned two more, verse 17. Verse 18, but the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. This is pretty heavy stuff. Heavy. It says, after a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used, everybody say that word out loud, they, he, to give an account of how they used. So who you are is 
His. What's inside you is His. The gifts, the resources, the time, the abilities, they are His. That we're taking the liberty to use as we will. Oh, don't worry, God, I'll give you a part of it. Don't worry, I'll give you a portion of it. God, I'm not forgetting about you. God's like, I don't, I don't want a part. I want all of it. I don't want a part. I want all of it. I want all of you. And if you let me, if you truly will trust me, we can give him a portion and still go to heaven and still have been a Christian, but have worked a lot harder. We can give all of us, which is counter. It's counter to our mind. I don't even know the wording to use here. It is so backwards to our mind. Counterintuitive. Countercultural. To say, I'm not going to work in this world at all. I mean, you're going to go to your job, but I mean, you're not going to say, I'm going to try to make it happen. I'm not going to strive. I'm not going to try to do this and pit and, and, and lie here and do this here, what all the world does to get where they're going to be. And then I'm going to go do this extra hour and this extra thing and do this and strive. Instead, I'm going to serve God and I'm just going to trust him. I'm going to lean upon him. I'm going to put those spare hours into the kingdom and watch the Lord without my sweat and without my striving provide for my needs. That's what God wants to do for you. And that's not for pastors. That is for every single Christian. God wants to do that for every single believer. You could be at the same exact job and be striving, and you could be at the same exact job and just have peace. Putting your time, I mean, it's the same exact eight hours. doesn't matter if we strive or not. You understand striving is a mentality. Striving is a spirit. There's no more hours. Did you realize that? Whether you strive or you rest in God, time does not, you cannot get more time. You can try to cut the corners on your sleep and deprive yourself, but you know what happens? It comes back to bite you, right? It comes back to bite you, your body gets sick, you get hurt, etc. We cannot do it in our flesh. What God is asking us to do is a spiritual thing. And in fact, he's not even impressed by what you've done for him in your flesh. You can build amazing things for him in the king, in, in call it kingdom, but have done it in your own strength. And the Bible says, the Bible actually tells us exactly what that is. He said that is wood and hay and stubble. And the Bible says you'll still make it into, into, the, into heaven. He said, but you're going to smell smoke on the way in because I'm going to burn up all the things that you did in your own strength. But he said, instead, I want you to build with gold and silver and precious stones, which is very significant that God said those things because you cannot burn up gold. You know that? You can heat it up as hot as you want. You cannot burn it up. The precious stones are actually made in pressure. Do you understand? That's how a diamond is made, under incredible intense pressure. So what he's saying is, is when I try it, it's going to stay exactly. It's the, it's the one thing. It's the things we can take from this earth into heaven. That's it. The only thing you can take into heaven is the kingdom stuff, the gold and the silver and the precious stones. That's it. Everything else is going to get burned up, everything in our strength. But the things that we let him do through pressure, ironically, wow, we're all trying to run from the pressure. But in the pressure, when we lean upon him, let his, him sustain us, he's changing us, he's shaping us, he's molding us. And meanwhile, something's actually coming out of us, a multiplication out of us, and the world's being touched and then we take that into heaven with us. And the Lord says what he says here. This is what we want the Lord to say to each of us. He said, 
He turns to the servant, master. He says, I had five and I turned it into five more. And verse 21, the master was full of praise. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling. This is so significant. Come on, tell me this doesn't help us. Just put this sermons together, this small amount. The Lord knows it's a small amount. He says it. (laughs) He said, you've been faithful in handling this small amount. Very short amount of time, very little bit. I know that life is quick. I know that your time is short, but you are faithful in using the little bit of time, the little bit of resources, the little bit of breath you had. And so because of that, I'm going to give you many more. Come on, the Lord wants to give you more. Lord wants to bless you, but you have to give him all that you have now. That's the way he does it. That's God's kingdom. You give him everything now, he'll give you more later. Come on, everything now, more later. You guys ever seen that experiment? They put the kid in the room and he said, you can have a stale donut now, or I'll bring in a whole box of fresh donuts in an hour. Put the kid and close the door. No entertainment, no cell phone, just staring at that stale donut. (laughs) what do you think the kids do every time and so that's what the lord's telling us don't 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 waste your time with this stale stuff this stuff that's meaningless the stuff that's passing away and filling your time with meaningless entertainment and, and meaningless things i'll give you stuff that'll last for eternity that's fresh Come on, it's baked fresh. We're talking manna donuts <laughs> come on dawn's looking forward to that sorry babe manna donuts She can't wait for those. And he says, to sum this up, he said, the one comes and says, he said, uh, verse 24, he said, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops, I didn't plant and gathered crops, I didn't cultivate. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. He said, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing... Even what little, here we go, it's the little again, even what little they have, which God would have been 100% content with if he had taken his one little. God didn't say, you know what? Look at the five, look at the two. Did you notice God doesn't compare? God doesn't tell the woman two, look at what the one with five did. He earned five more. He just saw that the one with five used what he had. The one with two used what he had. The one with one. And many times we are holding back. We're not giving to God. We're not doing for God because we don't think we have anything to offer God. We have so much to offer. Just offer yourself. Just offer what he's asking you. What do you have? And it says, now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a harsh reality isn't it, that he sums that parable with. And that's not us, is it? That's not us. God's gonna take care of us. He's gonna sustain us because we're gonna give him all. He's gonna take care of us and we keep giving and he's gonna keep multiplying. Come on, we're gonna say that again. He's gonna take care of us and we just keep giving of ourselves and he'll keep multiplying it and multiplying it and multiplying it and multiplying it. And God doesn't end. There is no end to God multiplying. There is no end. He is without end. In fact, 
as crazy as our minds that we cannot compute. He has no beginning and no end. It's not hard for God to multiply in your, for your need and with your gifts and abilities for his kingdom. Amen. Let's stand and pray. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you are here today. I thank you, Lord, that your word was spoken. And I just pray, Lord, that it would penetrate into our hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray that your word would go into our hearts beyond our mind, beyond our reasoning, beyond our understanding. And Lord, you would give us a revelation of who you are and what you have and what your word is for us and through us, Lord. And I pray in the name of of Jesus, Lord. Each of us are going to lay it all down. We just let it all go, Lord. This whole church, we lay it down before your feet, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name. Have it, Lord. Take it. It's all yours. I give you everything, and I thank you, Lord. You are able to sustain and to do, Lord, beyond me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.